walking chapter by chapter, almost verse by verse through this powerful, powerful book, uh, the book of Ruth. And today we're going to continue our study in chapter three. And really, if there was an overriding theme that I see kind of rising to the surface in Ruth chapter three, it's the risk of obedience. And when you think about what it really means to be a follower of Jesus, it's always going to involve risks. And it means living a life of obedience, even when that's hard or when that's risky or dangerous or goes against uh, the culture that we're living in. And uh, Ruth is going to help us take some of those steps. In fact, not just Ruth, uh, but Boaz as well, who we were introduced in the story to last weekend. So to catch us up, uh, Naomi has lost her husband, Elimelech. Not only that, her two sons have also died, and she's left with these two widows, Ruth uh, and then Orpah. Orpah chooses to stay back in, in uh, Moab, where they were, but Ruth remains faithful and committed to Naomi, and they travel back to Bethlehem in search of food because there's a great famine sweeping across the land. And that's when we uh, are introduced then last week to uh, this man named Boaz. Uh, Ruth is out in a field picking up kind of leftovers, and she later realizes that she's in the field of a man named Boaz who was this wealthy and influential man who happened to be a distant relative of hers, and we'll look at how that becomes important today. But really, the risk in this chapter begins with a plan in the heart of Naomi on behalf of her daughter-in-law, Ruth. So let's turn there, Ruth chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I find a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Now, in that day and age, it was often the responsibility and the expectation that the parents would find a suitor for their child, for their daughter. That, that there was a lot of prearranged marriages going on in that day. And Ruth, even though she was lamenting the, the loss of her own husband, and, or excuse me, Naomi, uh, lamenting the loss of her own husband, and then she's also lamenting the loss of her sons, finally gets the focus off of herself and she starts to think about Ruth. And she's been able to kind of walk with her and care for her, but she knows she's not going to be here forever either. And she starts thinking about who's going to continue to provide for Ruth, my daughter-in-law. And she wants to find a suitable home, a, a suitable suitor, someone that will provide for her, protect her, care for her. Well, let's look at what she goes on to say. She says, Boaz is a close relative of ours. We'll look at that phrase in a moment. And he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now, Boaz was a landowner, and uh, they were, it was time for the harvest of the barley. And he was going to go to, the, to the, what they call the threshing floor. What would happen is, in that day, as, as the harvest came in, they would beat the grains, and then they would, at the at the threshing floor, at the end of the day, like in the cool of the night, as it got a little bit of a breeze, they go to this surface called the threshing floor, which was a flat surface, usually uh, raised up a little bit in order that they would, they would throw the grain up into the air. And the chaff would just kind of blow away, but the grain then would fall back onto the threshing floor and create this pile of their harvest. That's what's happening here. 
And so Naomi knew that it was the end of the harvest and that this is where Ruth would find Boaz. Now, Boaz was a close relative. The other word for that or phrase for that that we find in Scripture and in that culture was a kinsman redeemer, a next of kin, someone related that would be a redeemer, someone that would come and protect and rescue uh, a male relative who had the responsibility when another relative was in need or perhaps was in danger. And that was Boaz in these circumstances, and that's what he was to them. Little did they know that when she went out into that field that that's who she'd be, whose field she'd be working in. It just so happened. This was providence, working itself out step by step. Well, let's see uh, what happens next. It says, now do as I tell you. This is Naomi talking to her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Now do as I tell you. Here's the plan. Take a bath, put on perfume, and dress in your nicest clothes. Like, this is a setup. Like, she's playing matchmaker. She's, she says, listen, you, man, get gussied up, look sharp, smell good, uh, because you're about to have another meeting and present yourself to Boaz. She says, then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down, then go uncover his feet and lie down there, and he will tell you what to do. Now, I know, you're reading it, you're like, what is going on? This, this sound, at, at first glance, this sounds a little shady, like, oh, so that's what you're saying? Well, there's a couple things that we need to understand. When it says that Boaz was going to lay down, you think, well, why would he lay down out in the open? I mean, on the threshing floor, probably a hard service. Well, in that day, oftentimes, by the end of the day, when all the harvest had been completed, uh, there would be this large pile of grain, and they would often, the owner would often lay there and sleep the night to protect his harvest. So then the next morning, he would either take it to market or take it back home to be used. And that's where Boaz was. The harvest had come in, it had been plentiful, and he's there sleeping next to his pile of grain to protect it. And what does Naomi say to do, for Ruth to do? She says, notice where he lies down, and then once he's asleep, go in, uncover his feet. What's that all about? We'll find out in a minute. Uh, And he will tell you, lie down, and he will tell you what to do. So the question is, what's Ruth going to do with this? I mean, Naomi has this seemingly risky plan that could cause into call into question her character like and yet this was not the kind of woman that Ruth was and we'll see that step by step as the storyline continues to play out but what is Ruth going to do what risk is she willing to take is she going to obey what her mother-in-law said here's what you need to do and here's Ruth's response verse 5 i will do everything that you say. I'll do everything that you say. And it says, so she went down to the threshing floor that night and she followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. That phrase sticks out to me. I will do everything that you say. And it makes me wonder, why was, I mean, this was a risky scenario. Why was Ruth so willing to obey what Naomi had recommended, had suggested? You see, I think, It has to do with her love and her trust in Naomi. They had both gone through 
terrible losses. They were both widows. They had, they had seen how they had cared for each other, journeying life together. They had been kind of connected through grief and loss. And I think that the reason, part of the reason at least, that Ruth was willing to do what Naomi recommended was because that Ruth knew Naomi's heart for her, that she really did care, that she did have wisdom to offer. And it makes me question why so many times, if the, if the life of a Christ follower is risk and obedience, why don't I respond more to God with that same kind of phrase? I will do everything that you say. <laughs> you know, oftentimes in my life, maybe year two, my response is, well, I'll do some of what you are suggesting, God. <laughs> don't, we, don't we treat God that... like, And, and somehow I think we think that um, if I just do a little bit of what God kind of wants me to do, then I'll be okay. It's partial obedience. But, but what Ruth says here is, I'll do everything just as you said. Complete trust and obedience. I think it had to do with her trust and her love for her mother-in-law. And you guys, when, when I'm not willing to fully obey God, I wonder, is that saying something about my love and my trust for him? Maybe I'm not willing to fully do everything that he says for me to do because I don't really understand yet how much he loves me. And I don't trust him enough to take him at his word, and to follow him fully. That's the journey that every single one of us is on. It's why we are here to help each other move one step closer towards living a life that says sometimes is risky. Sometimes God asks us to do some things that may not make a lot of sense. I'm sure that when Ruth first heard this plan from Naomi, she was like, man, really? And yet she responds with complete trust and obedience. Well, let's look at what happened next. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking, he was in good spirits. They had celebrated the, the harvest. He laid down at the far end of the pile of grain and he went to sleep. Then Ruth came in quietly. She uncovered his feet and laid down. And around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He says, he was surprised. He find, finds a woman laying next to his feet. He says, who are you? <laughs> He's surprised. Yeah, wouldn't you be? You went to bed alone, and all of a sudden, you're out in the middle of a field on this hard surface next to your grain pile protecting it, and your feet are uncovered. You feel the cool breeze, and there's a lady laying next to you. Now, remember, Boaz was a wealthy, influential, powerful man. How was he going to take this? Like, what is this about? Is she just putting herself out there for me? He could have easily taken advantage of her in this moment. Ruth is taking a great risk. What's he going to think? How's he going to respond? What's interesting is then she says this phrase. She says, spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. Now, this is a very significant phrase. When she says, spread the corner of your covering over me, this was like, um, really, it was like a, a proposal in that day. And actually, when she, she says this, 
she uses the same exact word that Boaz had actually used previously when they met up out in the field when she was working, picking up leftovers. Uh, and Boaz came along and he showed kindness and generosity. In fact, he pronounced a blessing over Ruth. And this is what he said, May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. That phrase, when he says, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, is the same exact phrase that Ruth uses when she says, put the, cover, the corner of your covering over me. The covering are the wings. And Ruth was saying, you, you've asked God to bless me and for me to find refuge under his wings. In essence, what Ruth was saying was, would you be the covering that God uses over my life? Would you care for me? Would you protect me? Would you bring me close to yourself? And would you be my husband? Why? Because she said, you are my family redeemer. There wasn't anything shady going on here. The Reformed Expository Commentary says, instead of leaving the situation dangerously ambiguous, as a woman of character, Ruth wanted to make her intentions clear right from the outset. Her goal was a commitment to marriage, not a single night of passion. In the ancient world, he writes, uh, such a commitment was symbolized by the gesture of covering someone with the corner of one's robe, roughly equivalent to the giving of an engagement ring in our culture. In essence, Ruth was presenting herself before Boaz and saying, I want to be with you. I want to marry you. You are my kinsman redeemer. Will you be the one that comes over my life and cares and protects for me and provides for me? And she was saying, will you put the cover the corner of your covering over me. Will you propose to me? Will you accept me? That's what was happening. So the question is, how's Boaz going to respond? What is the risk and the obedience involved in Boaz's response? Now, remember, Ruth was a Moabite woman, and, and in general, and I'm not saying specifically Ruth, but Moabite women in general did not have a good re reputation. In fact, they were known as people that led others astray into sexual immorality. And so the situation here, man, is just, it, it, it's concerning. It, it, it has so many uh, other ideas that are floating around. So how is Boaz going to respond? How is he going to take this? In fact, one commentary says, taking on a Moabite wife would have probably been at least socially awkward, if not worse, a man might end up as a social outcast and spurned by decent society. This was a risk for Boaz to take on Ruth as his wife. Was he going to be obedient? You know, he knew that he was the kinsman redeemer. There was some, there was some compelling force in him that said, I've got to do the right thing. But would he? Look at how he responds in verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter. I love this because here this woman shows up in the middle of the night. Boaz could think all kinds of things. And he, he doesn't say, hey, baby, how you doing? <laughs> he says, the Lord bless you, my daughter. A term of familial endearment a term of care and concern, my daughter. 
he says, you are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Essentially, Boaz was saying, listen, I'm, you know, you're way out of my league. And you could have went after anybody. And yet you've come to me to be your covering, to be your care, to be your provider. He says, now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary. There you see the obedience. Like, if this is what it means, if this is what it takes, if this, if this is what is required of me, I will do whatever is necessary. He says, for everyone in town knows that you are a virtuous woman. So everything about Ruth says she was a woman of character and of integrity. And even as this scenario that could have been kind of dicey plays out, she is a woman of virtue and character. You know what's interesting is that in the Hebrew Bible, now this is different than our Bibles, I mean all the same content, but the way it's ordered out is different. And in the Hebrew Bible, the book that directly precedes the book of Ruth is the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. And you follow Proverbs all the way to the very last chapter which is right before the book of Ruth in the Hebrew Bible. And Proverbs 31 talks all about a godly and faithful woman. In fact, in Proverbs 31, verse 10, a question is posed. Who can find a virtuous woman? And it's almost like what is asked in the end of Proverbs 31 is answered in Ruth chapter 3. Who can find a virtuous woman? Ruth. She's the virtuous, hardworking, faithful, servant-hearted woman that has presented herself to Boaz. Now, Boaz is a man of character as well. And here's how he responds. He says, but while it's true that I'm one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Boaz hits the pause button and he says, listen, I know that I have a right, but there's someone else, maybe someone that you don't even realize is cl more closely related to you, and they ought to be the first in line, <coughs> excuse me, as a family redeemer. Boaz wanted to do things by the book. Now, I'm sure for Ruth in this moment, she's put herself out there, and she's thinking, wait, what? There's someone else? He says, stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. And if he is willing to redeem you, very well, let him marry you. And I'm, I'm thinking if I'm Ruth, I'm like, my heart has just sunk. I, he's been so kind. He's been so generous. I know something about this man, Boaz. I feel like I can trust him. I've basically proposed to him. And now he's telling me that there's someone else. Who's this someone else? Will they be loving? Will they be caring? Will they be generous? But Boaz is a man of integrity, and he wants to follow the book. And then he says these words. I love this at the verse end of verse 13. He says, but if he is not willing, then surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. It's like Boaz says, Ruth, I want you to know something. There's somebody in, front of, in, in the front of the line ahead of me that has the rights to claim you and uh, take care of your mother-in-law's property. But I want you to know th that if they don't redeem you, 
I've got you covered. As surely as the Lord lives, he says, I will redeem you. He was assuring her of his love for her, his care over her life, her, his commitment to her that regardless of the risk that was involved, he was going to do the right thing. And that is what obedience is. Even when there's a risk, it means doing the right thing. So I want to leave us with three next step questions. The first one is this. What risk might God be asking me to take? You know, sometimes the Christian life, it gets kind of boring. You know why? Because we've stopped taking risks and truly following God. Listen, God is on the move. And he's always asking us, inviting us to join him on the journey. A journey that can be absolutely scary and thrilling all at the same time. What risk is he asking you to take right now? And sometimes we think, oh, you know, yeah, what, is he going to ask me to, you know, sell all my possessions, move to Africa, eat monkey meat, and talk to people from a different culture about Jesus? But you guys, what if, what if the risk that Jesus is asking us to take is, is just to walk across the street and reach out to a neighbor? It begs a second question. What, what does complete obedience mean for me right now? Not just, you know, God, I'll do some of what you are suggesting to me. What would it take for us to respond to God the way that Ruth responded to Naomi? I will do everything just as you have asked. Complete obedience. Yeah, some risk involved, but all in. You know, for some, that risk, it, 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 might mean, it might mean saying no to the boss in order to say yes to family. And there's some risk involved there. But if it's what God is asking, then it's the best thing. For, for some, uh, the, the, the risk may mean uh, taking a cut in pay in order to find a, a role that gives you more time with your family. Uh, the risk in your life might mean uh, standing up for your faith amongst your classmates, and you know that's risky, and you're not going to go do that thing that everybody else is going to do, but that's what obedience might look like for you. Yeah, there's some risk involved, but let me tell you, the risk is always worth obedience, and the reward is always greater than the risk. What does it look like for you? What does it look like for me? And that leads to the last question. What reward might Jesus have waiting just on the other side? You know, sometimes we think that obedience is, is like all about giving up something to God. It's something that God wants from us. But what if, what if obedience is also what God actually wants for us? What if he's trying to lead us to a place to reveal more of himself. I think about a story in John chapter 2. Jesus was with his mom and they were at a wedding. And, and the, 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 the one giving the wedding 
uh, ran out of wine, which was a big deal in that day. Like, you were a bad host if you ran out of wine. And, and Jesus' mom says, Jesus, why don't you do something about this? She knew that he was, he was supernatural, that he could do anything. And, and then Jesus' mom looks at the servants and says, listen, do whatever he says, obedience. Do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And Jesus, Jesus looks around and he sees these giant basins that, are, that were made for carrying water. And he says, hey, hey guys, go fill those water basins up and uh, put them on the table here where the wine goes. And they, got, they had to have been thinking, are you crazy? We're not, we're not replacing the, the wine with water. You see, sometimes doing what God asks us to do, what Jesus asks us to do, might not make sense to other people. But it says they did it. They were obedient. They took a risk. And Jesus turned the water into wine. I think, what if, what if they hadn't taken that risk? What if they had not obeyed? They would have missed out, you guys, on being part of the very first miracle that's recorded in the Bible for us. And we're, we're talking about it today in 2021. They would have missed out on seeing Jesus do something completely miraculous. They would have missed out on the joy and celebration of the entire crowd at this wedding when they find out that there's new wine and it's better than anything else. And I wonder, what are we missing out on when we don't take the risk that Jesus is calling us to make and we don't take a step forward to say to Jesus, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you. Thank you for this incredible story. We can't wait to see what happens next in the, in the life of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. But today, we're grateful for the risks that they were willing to take and the way that they obeyed and did the right thing. God, would you give us that kind of courage and trust and love for you? Jesus, you said, if you love me, you will do all that I command. So help us to show you our love by the risk that we take, willing to obey you in all things. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, don't forget today 